Prime Minister Christopher Luxon with us. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very well. I'm starting to feel sorry for you. There's a bomb going off every day somewhere around <laughs> oh, your place, isn't tell there? Tell me about it. I appreciate you feeling sorry for me because uh, it is literally every day there's something going on and there's just this pattern of behaviour of massive cost overruns, intentional underfunding, and then just poor delivery and wasteful spending. And, uh, you know, the bottom line is, look, we've got to get it turned around. That's what we're going to do. But um, when you do a turnaround, you've got to confront the brutal facts of your reality and know where you're starting from. And then we're going to put the plan together to get ourselves to a better place. Right, but, uh, let's do the school building yeah. thing first of all. Do you honestly yeah. need a three-month inquiry? There are X number of projects. Surely all you've got to work out is how many projects can we afford? Do we need to trim some down and how many can simply carry on? Isn't it that simple or not? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, we'll work with the Ministry of Education through some of that and giving uh, school, you know, there'll be some rescoping, there might have to be some delays. But also what I'm fundamentally interested in is how do we fix it for the long term? So, you know, really, the Ministry of Education, they hope you'd want them to be very good at developing curriculum and driving academic achievement. But are they going to be world class and the best at delivering infrastructure, which is quite a different thing, property management, asset management, all that sort of skill set's quite different. So one of the legitimate questions is, well, what's the right way to manage it going forward? We actually have a similar challenge, if we're honest about it, with respect to hospitals as well, um, you know, and, and, and hard infrastructure that's involved with health yeah. and education. So, you know, one of the things that that inquiry could legitimately ask is actually, well, how do we better manage it going forward uh, and where should it sit and, and, and how do you build competence and to, to manage these projects yeah, well? The problem is that ministry was in front of whatever the committee is reviewing it the other day, and there are 1,900 more people in that ministry than five years ago. 36% increase in yep. staff. They've got staff falling over themselves. Yeah, it's what gone are they from doing? Uh, 2,400 up to 4,500, and they've had $5 billion more thrown at it. But I mean, I mean, the, the, the thing why it's so frustrating here is that, you know, we knew there were 20 projects just before Christmas, then there's 250, then there's 350. And then if you're a school community that have actually been set up with an expectation, you get a brand new shiny classroom uh, and, and set of buildings. And, you know, in some cases, literally in December, we find out for, for work that's about to start early February, you know, in construction. And you just go, you know, you wouldn't do a renovation at your house, or maybe you wouldn't, Mike, I don't doubt it, but, you know, you'd end up having a threefold increase in your costs, right? I mean, you, you have a budget, you work to it, and if there's a big, if there's a big blowout, uh, you expect to get it right-sized and back within the budget parameters, otherwise... Um, no one seems to care when it's taxpayers. Well, right. Exactly. That's what, that's what I want to know. How much of it's bespoke stuff? Because I was listening to a principal yesterday yeah. on the radio who was Each saying she's never seen so many engineers in her life. She didn't even know there were that many engineers. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a big part of it. It's really interesting to me, eh? Like State Highway 25A, those guys got that project done on budget on t- ahead of time because they use standardised roading bits of bridges and, and platforms and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's the same thing here. Even the Ministry of Education has said, look, there's been mission creep. There's been a whole bunch of things tacked onto these projects, but also there's massive bespoke nature of it. It's highly customised. Uh, and the bottom line is we should have some pretty basic classroom configurations that's the same everywhere you go. And in a small country, you've got to standardise to get the scale so you can get the cost down. And when you start doing bespoke and custom stuff, yeah. I think that'll be a big part of it as well. But but the bigger issue is how on earth do you sit there uh, and be billions, what will be billions of dollars, I suspect, short, uh, of setting expectations of this and then not having the money to deliver against those expectations. So, Well, you're just going to borrow look, more. Eric, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, well, then you hear Jason Eddy say there's a Labour Party magic money tree that will just keep you know, printing money miraculously. Do this. Well, that's not the reality of it. You have to face up. and you do it. In, we all do it in our personal lives and our budgets, and your listeners are doing that all the time. The government has to do the same thing. So, 
yet we want to stay really invested in education. We know we've got to step it up big time, um, but we've also got to make sure we've got, and we weren't asking for any savings in the in the capital programs of building programs, but you know, it's just the same story we saw with the ferries, the same story we've seen with Auckland Light Rail, lots of money spent, nothing delivered, same problems that we've seen with these school buildings. Okay, so when you mentioned uh, the ministry before they'd be good at the curriculum, they're not good at that either because the numbers that got updated yesterday, and this included the summer school kids, it's all yes, gone yeah, backwards. Numbers. It's all gone backwards again. Level one, level two, yep. level three, all gone backwards. Less than half of people yep. get university entrance. What are they doing? Yeah, well, what we're doing is we're focusing on two things. I'm going to basically bring out a whole bunch of targets for uh, each of these portfolios. And the only two things I'm really focused on at the moment on education is, one, you have to get the kids to school. And then, two, you have to have more than half your kids ready to go for high school. And and that's the problem, Mike, is 50% of kids are showing up for third form year nine, not ready to go, not at the standard they need to be at. So that's why we moved heaven and earth to actually jam through the one hour of maths, reading and writing for primary and intermediate school. That's why we jam through like the mobile phones to get rid of the distractions, which is actually going down a treat. Uh, that's why we've got this group doing a rapid review of maths and English curriculum, because if we can get the primary intermediate school kids and we get them 80% ready to go to high school, then two years later, they're not failing NCA like we're seeing them do so at the moment. So. It's a hell of a lot of work to, to work through through um, getting the academic standards okay. back in place and, and, and people achieving. The other thing, I, and I feel sorry for Erica Stanford too, given she's got um, this plus she's got immigration. So yesterday on the program, I'm mm. hearing the story. So there's a guy in Gore who's running the Gore Hospital or the, the Health, whatever they call it in Gore. He, he's looking for an ED nurse. He gets 80 applications, mm. 80. Uh, but they're all from mm. overseas and they don't meet the criteria apparently, so there is no person filling that job. 63% of nurses are from offshore in this country. There's a whole bunch of them in yeah. this country applying for jobs. They're not getting them because they don't meet the standard. What is it? We're, a, why are we bringing them in if they don't meet the standard? Two, what is it we're looking for in nursing that's so unique to this country that they can't <laughs> seem to function here? Yeah, well, I had the same question, so I asked Shane Reshi the same thing yesterday as well because um, I saw that story and I thought, uh, the way, you know, like, I think, I don't know if it was a maternity nurse or something, yes. was what I thought was the, the issue. And I thought, well, people give birth, women give birth exactly. the same way all around the world. That's not complicated. But, and when you've got AD applicants, I'm sure there's something in there. So I don't know what's happened on that particular case because we are four and a half thousand nurses short. We're moving heaven and earth to actually get as many nurses here coming to New Zealand rather than Canada and Australia. We should be very grateful that they're here, make it easy. We'd love to get our bonding program in place so that the homegrown nurses actually stay here from, for five years after graduating. Uh, and we've got to go to work on that. So I'd like to get to the bottom of that one. because is he um, going to, Does he yeah. aware of that and is he going to fix it? Because we, it seems we have nurses. They've all arrived. They just cannot get a job because they're not allowed in the system. Yeah, there's other cases where um, I think we've got to do a better job of actually recognising qualifications from other jurisdictions as well. Um, and sometimes there's uh, cases used around cultural competency and they need to be very, very you know, attuned to New Zealand's needs and all that sort of stuff. And there's conversion courses and things we can do. We've got to you know, clean all that up and make that much more seamless and more frictionless so that we can actually get these people into the places they need so, to be so, this, so you think it's a cultural thing as well? This has got something to do with Maori. So if I'm, I'm running ED in Gore... The fact that I may or may not recognise what a Maori is or needs in ED and they're bleeding to death, what's more important, me understanding Maori culture or the, me saving their life? 
the bottom line is you need to get nurses who can actually look after people medically. That's the major focus of what we've got to do. And what I'm saying is, yes, there'll be a, a need for them to have some New Zealand context, but actually the, how onerous is the transition from coming in from overseas into New Zealand? Those are legitimately good questions that we should be asking. Right. Um, we should be asking, you know, our qualifications from overseas. Are we making that? Are we recognising qualifications from, from other places uh, well enough? Are we making that easy for people to come into the New Zealand system? So... Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to understand the Gore situation particularly because um, that just did seem a bit unusual. But too bottom weird. line is, we need yeah, we need to welcome nurses here. What are you going to do of... if Adrian Orr bumps the cash rate tomorrow? Well, I mean that's obviously a decision for him and then you know the independence of the Reserve Bank and all that. Yeah, but what's it stuff, say about but... us? I mean, if well, the ANZ are right, right and there are two more hikes coming in a world of you know, everywhere else has moved on, mate, and we're we're looking according to the ANZ at two Tell more hikes. Yep, yep. So what I can control is there's two parts to it. One is you know, Adrian Moore and the Reserve Bank doing the monetary policy with interest rate settings, um, but the big contributor to inflation also, equally in my view, has been the fiscal settings. And when you've got an 84% increase in government spending driving domestic inflation, which then drives the interest rates, which slows the economy down, which drives unemployment up, that's what, I, that's what we can control. That's what Nicola and I are very focused on is... Uh, making sure we get through the savings program, get the government money not wasting and driving into inflation. Um, and um, and we've got to work together, actually, the fiscal levers and the monetary levers. And before they were working across purposes, one was spending prolifically pro- and the other was actually you know, um, cranking up interest rates. So you had the accelerator and the brake going on at the same time, and we both need to put the brakes on. So um, that's what we're working hard on. Good luck. Appreciate it. Christopher Luxon. You're ringing regrets it every now and again. Like at the end of the day, guys. Bloody hell. For more from the Mike Hosking Breakfast, listen live to News Talk ZB from 6am weekdays or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.